Welcome to Explore Purpose. My goal is to inspire you to live a life of meaning and purpose so that you can make a greater impact on the world around you. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver. I'm your host and excited to share this new content for you. I'm very grateful you stopped by to listen to the show today. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. This helps me reach more people and hopefully inspires them to live a life of purpose and meaning as well. Thank you for doing that. So I have a question for you. How are you impacting the world? What is your response to those who have a very different worldview than you do? Can we really be friends with those people who have a different point of view than we do? And are you making a difference in the world if we argue and refuse to listen to those with whom we disagree? These are the few of the the things we're talking about today with my guest. I'm really excited to have Devin Thorpe on the program. I had Devin on a few years ago on the My Story podcast. And if you want to hear his story of how he got to where he is today, go back and listen to episode number seven. I think you'll find it interesting. Devin is a champion of social good. Drawing on more than 1,200 interviews with changemakers, he shares their superpowers for good. As a Forbes contributor with over 500 bylines and over 2 million unique readers, he became a recognized name in social impact. His YouTube show featuring celebrities, CEOs, billionaires, entrepreneurs, including Bill Gates and others who are out to change the world gave him a recognizable face as well. He has helped nonprofits raise millions of dollars via crowdfunding. He has a background in finance and has lived on three continents and visited over 400 countries on six continents with guests from around the world on his show. Devin brings a global perspective on purpose-driven leadership to international audiences from the UN to Nepal. Here is my conversation with Devin Thorpe. Well, Devin, welcome to the Explore Purpose podcast. It's uh, great to have you back. We had you on the My Story podcast uh, now a couple of years ago, maybe. Yeah, and been a so minute. It's great to have you back. Well, thank you so much. You're so kind, Conrad. I'm, I'm thrilled with what you're doing. It's a uh, this idea of explore purpose is so profound, so important. I, I hope we can build your audience huge and ginormous because I think you will change lives and that will ripple out, right? As you create more change makers, more purpose-driven individuals, mm-hmm. uh, lives just change in, in, in a huge ripple effect from there. So I, I want to see you succeed. Well, thank you so much. And just for my audience who may be new and don't know who you are. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, uh, thank you. I, I, I'm a you know a guy who had 25 years in finance and was reasonably successful in that career. Uh, you know my my life didn't revolve entirely around private jets and international travel, but it had some of that, and so it was a good good life. But a decade ago, I I uh, reset. When I got fired from the best job I'd ever had, and launched a new career focused on, uh, you know, doing good, and I call myself a champion of social good, and so I'm I'm about uh, helping people to do more good, and I, I kind of focus on three broad problems, uh, and they're broad, so it's maybe a misnomer to call it focusing, but it's climate change, poverty, and global health. 
And these are vast problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, uh, I, I took a, a compilation of insights from uh, some of my 1,200 podcast episodes to write a book called Superpowers for Good. Mm. I had casually started asking my guests, what is your superpower? Mm. And along the way, I began to see that this was a profound thing, that the mm. answers, not all of them, some were glib, but many of the answers were really profound. And I began to understand more about great change makers. And, and finally, as I wrote the book, I really really began to appreciate fully that the opportunity to change the world begins by changing ourselves. Mm. And so, uh, you know, circling back, I really am excited about what you're doing because what you're doing aligns so well with my life mission and purpose. And I want to see you be successful in sharing purpose with, with more people. And you and I are in some ways doing similar things. And I think that's great. Sure. Uh, There's plenty of room for opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. Plenty of room for us to be encouraging people to be good and do good. In, in the research for your book, what were there some common themes that you found that people who are change makers and people who, you know, are really impacting their communities? What, what were those common themes that you found? The, the, the two, I guess, the, I think there are three of the most common themes are optimism. Mm-hmm. And I was not surprised by that. But the more I dug into it, the more I began to appreciate that there are things that people can do, that I can do to be more optimistic. And I, I think I'm pretty optimistic, but I wouldn't call it a superpower. Mm-hmm. And, and I see the opportunity to, to make that a more robust character trait. Uh, to help me be more successful at doing good. Mm-hmm. So that's theme one. Theme two uh, is persistence. And and I think, and different people have different ways, you know, perseverance, grit, overcoming adversity. Uh, and, you know, but this is something I really relate to. I think of persistence as my superpower, uh, you know, having done 1,200 episodes of a podcast, mm-hmm. I, that's pretty persistent. That's significant. Uh, what, what the average is what? Seven, or seven. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people quit after two. And uh, so it's, I really do uh, think that is an important thing. But, and then the third area, and this is not a strength of mine, it's one I aspire to. But the third area is call it love, empathy, compassion, different words come up. But, um, but that theme of being other oriented is huge with great change makers. And, and I have learned more about doing that better. Mm-hmm. And I've also come to recognize that it's something I need to do better. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, I guess it's a weakness. I hate to call it a weakness, <laughs> but I, I want to get better at that. And sure. it, it's, it's hard for me. And I think there's a lot of us in society now that we're, we're quick to judge. And even, I hate to say this, but a lot of my lefty friends that love to talk about compassion for people on one side of an argument, sometimes ignore having compassion, empathy, and concern and care for the people on the other side of that argument. And that's kind of the world we live in these, these days. Yeah. You know, so we're so divided in so many ways. And and I'm sure there's probably things that you and I probably don't agree on at some oh, point. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah. you know. I always look at that as, you know, I can learn 
I can learn from, I can learn from my enemy. I can learn from the person that I least like. I can learn from anyone. And I one time had a conversation with someone and I had an opportunity to, to do a live Facebook event. I was hired by this organization, very different organization than what I am politically. And, but I was taking their money. So didn't matter to me, you know, and we were walking out of the building and, um, uh, we were, had this conversation and, and somehow we got talking about uh, Wyoming. And I just mentioned that I have a rancher friend in Wyoming and, um, he was a former state Senator in Wyoming. And this, this gentleman was like, you know, a Republican. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, first of all, he's a Democrat. But yeah, I know a few. But I was like, and I thought to myself, that's the problem. It is a problem. Two sides don't even want to know each other anymore. Yeah, it used to be so, so happy. You know, I'm a big fan of Robert Reich. And he's a pretty lefty guy, Mm -hmm. but uh, he was the labor secretary under Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, uh, and so for people of a certain generation, we know who he is. And uh, he he was an outspoken guy and probably the most well-known secretary of labor of my lifetime. Uh, But he recently wrote a a post uh, about his relationship with uh, the Republican Senator uh, Alan Simpson. That was the senator from Wyoming okay. that was served in the U.S. Senate back in the day, and 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 of course Robert Reich is about five feet tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Simpson is six nine or something. <laughs> I mean, he's really tall. I, he was actually I worked for the Senate uh, at the time when Alan Simpson was in the Senate, mm-hmm. and and so I actually have been in the room with him, mm-hmm. and he's a very tall guy. And and they they met early in the 1990s and became fast friends. They are friends to this day, but both admit that, you know, it's interesting that today they would not be allowed to be friends mm-hmm. if they were in Washington. Yeah. And even then it was difficult. Sure. But now it would be impossible. Well, I remember hearing stories of, and we're kind of getting off the subject, but I think this is important. You know, you're 20 years ago, you could go to Washington DC and any higher end restaurant bar in the evenings. And you'd see congressmen, members of Congress having drinks from both parties, both sides would come together and they were enjoying a night out tonight. You would never see that. I mean, you wouldn't be caught dead with anyone from the other party. And that's really a sad, sad state of affairs for our nation and for, for, for creating good in the world. Because if you can't, if you can't sit down with those who are opposed to what you're doing and have a meaningful discussion, then there's not a whole lot that can be accomplished, you know, in that. And, and my vision is to create a, a uh, just a host of people who put aside their political beliefs for the good of people, for the good of humanity. And and I think that's, I think you have a similar agenda for what you're doing. And, and I think that's why I'm attracted to what you're doing and really so appreciative of the work that you have done in the past. So I want to ask you this, when you're looking at, and people I've talked to over the years, over the, specifically over the past year, and who are looking at their final years of retiring, their they often say, you know, when I ask someone, what, what do you do or who are you? 
they often refer to what they do. So, Devin Thorpe, are you what you do or is that something different? You know, that is such a good question. And I have really ambivalent feelings about this question because I've been thinking about this in a weird context. That, but uh, in my church, uh, in my particular congregation, we've we've done a pretty good job of trying not to label one another mm-hmm. with professions and mm-hmm. things like that. And in part because we have a wide range of people. I live in an inner city community. And I happen to be in the more affluent end, and I have a nice high-rise condo. But there are people who live a block from me who are essentially uh, on the last rung of Mm. existence above homelessness. They're Mm. in tremendously subsidized apartments. I think some of them are paying $50 a month for their rent. Uh, Many have struggled with addictions in the past. They're in woeful shape. And I go to church with these folks. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, it's very important for us not to label each other as important or not important by virtue of our profession. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I sometimes worry, well, if you don't know what I do, how I spend my time, what do you know about me? Mm. You you may know if I'm a nice person or not, but there's so much more that is told by understanding what I do 40 hours a week. Uh, and so, I, like I say, I kind of have ambivalent feelings about this um, because, and particularly, I guess, in my case, I feel like it, what I do does align more with who I am. Mm. Because for the past decade, I've been able to do only what I want to do. But mm-hmm. We're not wealthy, but my wife is frugal. And we have a little bit of retirement income from her. and And so we... I do only what I want to do. I try to make money at what mm-hmm. I want to do, but I don't have to put making money ahead of what I do. I do what I love, mm-hmm. like talking to you, being mm-hmm. a guest on your show. What a thrill. What an opportunity. Who wouldn't do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I consider it a great privilege to be here in this minute, in this place. And I'm so grateful. Um, so, yeah, this is a weird question trying to dis. Uh, kind of unpack this question mm-hmm. of what do you have what been able you do? to say that 10 years ago when you were in the finance banking industry? No. So yeah, when I was a finance guy, uh, it was all about money and prestige. And mm-hmm. I confess that it, it was true. And um, yeah, there are a lot of things wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think everyone has to make a living uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, you got to be able to figure out how to buy the groceries, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm grateful that I was able to do that. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't want to be remembered. Hmm. You know, my epitaph on my on my gravestone shouldn't be finance guy. <laughs> uh, right. Know. And it's like I don't want mine to be, you know, filmmaker guy <laughs> or podcast host, you know, even though those are nice titles to have and Mm-hmm. Nice things. I want to be remembered as something different, uh, as a change maker, as a, as a, as a person who did good in the world and who transformed their community. You know, I think sometimes when we look at what motivates us, you know, often the word success comes in into play. What is success to you? Oh, uh, you know, I I have a, a saying I love to 
repeat, and that is, you know, money's only real value is the good you can do with it. Mm. And um, so for me, it's all about the good. And if you can skip the money to get to the good, then you never need to have the money or deal with any of the implications of the money. I, I, so money has, has very little to do with it. And I have to confess, this is uh, important to me at a level it maybe shouldn't be. But I remember my father sitting me down and it was, you know, there are twice in my life, I remember my father giving me profoundly bad advice. Mm. Once uh, in high school, he told me I could not be an author. It just wasn't a thing. I could not be an author. That was bad advice. Mm. It was dumb advice. I don't know where it came from, why he said it, but he was just wrong. Um, second uh, advice later on, he told me, Devin, you like money too much. You need to go into finance or some other field where you can make money because you, uh, you like money too much. If you do a career that's focused on anything else, you won't be happy. And I'm perfectly happy with very little money. Um, mm. And so he was wrong. So how do I measure success? Mm. By the impact I'm having. Mm. Uh, I, I'm much more concerned with the number of people I reach, the amount of good I'm able to do. Um, you know, and I like getting my hands dirty doing some of the good. Uh, I, I helped organize a big project down on the Navajo Nation last month. And, uh, you know, I, probably put, I think I estimated 120 hours into that project uh, this year. And, you know, that's not a lot, but mm -hmm. it's a good amount. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot of good. We, you know, as a group, uh, our, our Rotary Clubs organized this and, and we ended up rehabilitating an entire, uh, a whole building, right? So we mm -hmm. took a building that was unused, vacated, abandoned virtually, and rehabilitated in a fully operational, you know, new lighting, new plumbing, all new paint and new systems, got it back up and running. So it'll serve as a community center for mm -hmm. this little Navajo community in Halchita, Utah. And, and earlier this week, I went over and did some volunteering, just helping to can applesauce with the church. And, you know, they've got a great little operation over there. And so I was there for three hours. And on that day, the they had a bad day. They only made 14,000 bottles of, of applesauce. You know, and it's nice oh, to think, day. yeah, a bad day. And, and it's nice to sort of go home and know, you know, I didn't do it all by myself. There were 30 of us and there were probably mm -hmm. four shifts that day that of volunteers. And so we barely got a thumbprint on a bottle or two, but, but I helped, you know, I helped mm -hmm. feed hungry people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like, so those are things bring me the deep satisfaction mm. uh, and talking to people like you and understanding you. And so, you know, we, we just recorded an episode of you on my show and right. I got to talk to you and boy, you just, that's what I love. I love doing that. Talking to change makers like you who inspire me to be better, do better. And I hope inspire my audience to do better mm. and be better. You know, doing the kind of things you described, you know, rehabbing a building, making applesauce, that stuff's messy and you get your hands dirty and it's difficult and it's challenging and there's frustrating things, I'm sure, with all of those things. And when you're looking at someone like you who could do whatever you want to do, you could go play golf every day if you decided to and take the easy way. Why? Why do the difficult things? Because they're so much more satisfying. And I think that's the whole point of your explore purpose 
podcast, right, is is to help people see that when you identify your purpose, and, and each person's different, right? Some people, their purpose won't be aligned very closely with mine, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Find a purpose that, that will get you in here and channel that and engage in that. There are so many opportunities. And yeah, so- You know, I think sometimes we- kind of cast this wide net of saying, you know, I want to change the world. Well, that's difficult. You know, that's, that's too broad. I think we need to look at who's next to us. Who's our neighbor. Who's the person down the street that we can impact their life. And something I, so I was at a conference uh, the other week and the speaker, very renowned doctor. And he said something that really struck me just right between the eyes. He said, when you help someone and you, you help them make a difference in their life, you not, are, are not only impacting that individual, but you are now impacting their children and you are impacting their grandchildren. Because if, if, if I'm the one that's being impacted and now I'm, I go from addiction to you know, recovery and I'm doing well, that's going to impact how my children reflect to me. And ultimately that's going to impact their children. And so it's generational. Yeah. The the ripples of any change with any individual are enormous. Uh, Where did I read this just the other day? Um, I I hate to not give proper attribution, but I was reading a, a book or an article and they came across this idea that, yeah, you, you can't ever kill or save just one person. Mm. The implications of saving a person or killing a person are so mm. dramatic mm. that you can never think of it as just one person. If you kill a mother, how many of her children mm-hmm. are likely to die prematurely because she's out of the picture? Mm-hmm. And vice versa, if you save a mother, how many of those kids would survive and thrive mm. because the mother is there who wouldn't have. Right. And, and that's just a, a simple, overly simple example. But I think it's true of almost anyone mm-hmm. that, you know, the good they're doing just matters. And so, yeah, yeah. Huge ripples, mm. huge ripples. Every, everything we do good has, has ripples. So how has your purpose or mission changed over the years and really looking at your past 10 years that where you've been out of the financial world, how has that changed and evolved and why? Yeah, um, I would say a couple of things. I'd say one, one thing that developed quickly is I, I went from saying that my goal was to solve the world's big problems. People say, well, what are the world's big problems? And I thought, well, they were obvious. But but I had to settle, and I realized that not everybody agrees on what the world's big problems are, but I think of them as these three, I think I mentioned poverty, climate change, and global health. And obviously I haven't done a very good job on global health in the last few years. I need to get with that, re-emphasize, redouble the efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I obviously blew it. Uh, but, but I really think these are uh, the issues. So the first, first phase was, uh, was doing defining better how I would focus my energy. And, and in some ways, you know, that it does kind of at the margins exclude some activities that people think of as doing good and being good, but I'm I'm not a huge 
patron of the arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that arts are great for our communities, but that's not my agenda. Sure. I, I see that as falling a little bit out of my agenda. And um, so that, that's probably the best example. But then there's, there's also this whole experience I went through last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I kind of mentioned my politics and uh, I do feel strongly about political issues. Uh, I do worry about the great divisions in our country. And we talked about that, that but, but I, I participated last year in, in, in politics. I ran for Congress in Utah as a Democrat in a year when no Democrats won in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think uh, there were four congressional races in Utah. I think I did the worst of the four Democrats who ran. Um, I'm not proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would defend myself only this way. I was running against the best Republicans. I, I felt like I would be a better congressman. Uh, I, I feel like I'm right on the issues, but he is a hardworking congressman. And I was amazed. I, I, I long you know, gave up trying to count the number of people I would meet with, proud that I was out in the field meeting you know, face-to-face mm-hmm. with people in rural communities. And they would say, oh yeah, when I met John Curtis, <laughs> it's a crap. <laughs> Because <laughs> he did it. He did the hard work. Mm-hmm. He did the hard work. And so it's hard to run against him because so many people, you know, there are three quarters of a million people in a congressional district. Mm. And, and, you know, the ones that were engaged had all found an opportunity to meet their congressman because mm-hmm. he was available to them. Mm-hmm. So kudos to him. He, it was a tough race for me to run. But so that was, um, you know, choosing to run was an evolution of my thinking. Mm-hmm. And then the experiences and the painful realities of coping with a, a devastating loss. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I lost badly in that race and trying to cope with what that meant. Um, and then there was a follow on. I'll just admit, I'll be open with you, Conrad. I kind of had gone into this thinking that my fallback would be a job in the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it would be Joe, but I, I was pretty confident that mm-hmm. we could get a Democrat elected. And I figured if I were running for Congress, even if I lost, I would be on a list of eligible people. And mm-hmm. in fact, I was able to figure out enough of the process for getting a job in Washington to know that I was on the list. Mm-hmm. And I never got the call. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't savvy enough to figure out how to get the call. Mm-hmm. And so I went through a second painful disappointment over the next, mm-hmm. last year. And uh, so... And then I wrote my book. And so then I came to a third or fourth. I don't know how many insights are coming. You asked a question that was a little open-handed. I apologize, Conrad, for talking for 25 minutes without taking a breath. But writing the book, Superpowers for Good. And I've learned about this concept this, that I think is so important that I have to learn from people like you. right? And I think all change makers need to be looking at the uh, aspirational qualities, I call them superpowers of the great change makers to figure out what we can learn from them to change ourselves, to help us change the world. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's so important to, to learn from others. And, and that, that's something that I work on doing. I read books, you know, all the time. And I, I want to get a copy of your book and read it. I, and I admit I haven't got a copy yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And uh, I will, I'll, I'll, kind of wrap it up later with kind of figuring out where we can, where the, our, my audience can, can find your book. Um, but what keeps you focused on purpose, on your mission? 
That's a great question. What keeps me focused on that? It, it's pretty heartfelt. You know, I, I, I genuinely think about these issues um, and worry about them because they are, I think, important. Um, I guess it comes down to my conviction, right or wrong. Right. And I admit it's a subjective assessment uh, that these are the most important issues. Right. Uh, and so I want to work on those. And, mm -hmm. and that's how that's what gets me up in the morning. And, you know, you and I, I think are, are people of faith, similar faith. And, and, and part of it is I think it comes from uh, my theological upbringing that to serve God, I serve people. Mm -hmm. uh, and a desire to do that. And so wanting to serve them in the most impactful, important ways, I look for the biggest problems and try to address those. And of course, I'm not doing anything firsthand, right? Th these three things guide who's on my show, who mm -hmm. I write about, who I talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then the messages I give when I'm invited to speak to audiences and things like that. So, mm -hmm. so as you look at the, the, the final half of your life, assuming that you still have many, many years to go. Um, I always tell my kids, I'm going to live to a hundred. So I got, I'm about halfway there. I'm a little over halfway yeah. to a hundred. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if, when you look at the my final goal is 111. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> as you look at the final half of your life, how does your purpose now play a role in those future years? Yeah, it, it is the defining feature of those years in my mind. Um, the, the only thing that takes precedence is family. Mm. And I am so fortunate to be blessed with Gail as my wife, uh, whom I fell in love with. And, and, and we have communicated well over the years. Our priorities have shifted dramatically since we married. But because we've had an open conversation, an open dialogue, our our values have aligned differently, but in parallel. Mm. And so as we have reprioritized some of the things in our lives, we've done them together. Uh, but but I think, you know, Gail, my wife, Dayton, my son, take precedence over these other causes but I am so fortunate. Dayton, my son, is completely independent. He's far richer than now than I am or ever will be. I don't have to worry about him. Mm -hmm. um, he shares my values. Uh, this year, he made a $100,000 donation to uh, end malaria. Wow. Uh, his, he just got married last month. His wife is uh, working to end malaria. Uh, she's mm -hmm. a Stanford postdoc working on how to make mosquito lives shorter. So they infect fewer people. Uh, it's just wonderful to see them aligned in value and spirit and, and independent. And I don't have to worry about them, but we can share our joys and our challenges together. So yeah, I, I think purpose defines the last half of my life. I think that's, that's probably a rarity in today's culture among people. It's, you know, many people that I know, I have a friend who just retired and he's probably listening to this, so I won't mention his name, but, uh, he listens to this podcast. So, uh, and he just retired from a government agency and 
and he's doing some really exciting things, you know, and, uh, but I don't know, you know, what his plans are long-term for as far as purpose. And so um, I want to challenge, you know, everyone that's out there that's looking at their retirement years to really explore who you are and not have that defined by what you do, but explore who you are and what you want to accomplish in those, those last, last half of your life. And that's what is driving me to work on this, on this show you know, explore purpose to, to, you know, launch a new business to really see what I can accomplish in the last half of my life. And that's uh, excited to bring people along uh, like yourself to, to, you know, kind of take that journey together to, so that we can improve the world. Because as we know, as we say, you know, the cliche is the world's going to to hell in a handbasket and, and I want to help make a difference. And, in the places that I can impact, you know, I can't change the whole world, but I can impact the people that, that I can connect with. And, and that's what I hope to do. Yeah. If we can encourage more people to retire with purpose, Mm. um, it would, it would change the world dramatically. Right. If, if golf becomes the respite from the work we do uh, aligned with our purpose, uh, mm. it, it really just changes the world. And the numbers of people that are set to retire in the next 10 to 20 years is, is astounding. And, you know, there's only so many golf courses that you can play. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to be, you're going to have a waiting list on the golf course. So find something else to do that yeah. really makes a difference in your, because here's the thing about finding a purpose and finding a mission when you start accomplishing that, you start working in that and start working toward that, you discover that, you know, those trivial things that we do are so much less fun. You know, it's just, yeah, they're a good break. I love a, I love a good golf game, you know, yeah. as, as well as anyone. But there's so much less fun when you can accomplish something and you can impact someone's life. And you can, you know, change, you know, even one person's day. Yeah. That is so meaningful and it, it brings, you know, to me, it brings me joy when I can, you know, impact one person. And if I can do that again and again, then man, what good can we accomplish in the world? If we would all have that drive to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Here, 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 here. So um, what's something practical that I can do that our listeners can do what's something practical that we can do to help moving toward our purpose? Yeah. I, one of my little favorite tricks that I have come up with, and I think it, it, it's relevant and responsive, but um, I set up my calendar to uh, send me an email. You know, so in your Google calendar, and I think most calendars probably have a feature to do a, a similar thing, right? You, you mm-hmm. can program it to send you an email reminder. And I programmed mine to send me affirmations. Hmm. And, and it, it's really remarkably helpful because that email pops in the inbox. And every day I enjoy getting it. I have it programmed. So I, I have seven different affirmations. So that's just a Monday, Wednesday, through, you know. Friday, Saturday, anyway, I get one every day. 
And it just repeats every week. So they're familiar now. Mm-hmm. Been doing this for months. But what I find is that they remind me about my purpose and my ability, right? Mm-hmm. Because one of my weaknesses is, is believing in myself, self-confidence, right? And so that becomes a limiting factor. If I don't believe I can do things, no one else is going to help me do them, right? I got to right. believe in myself. Yep. So for me, that was a weakness. But so you could use your, maybe it's not affirmations. Maybe it's a way to, you know, remind yourself to, to just remind yourself to be purpose oriented or to send a, a, some favorite quote, a, a Gandhi quote that inspires you to, to align with your purpose, whatever it is. But that daily reminder, uh, and it could be one that you get every day, it could be seven, it could be 30, you do, you know, get a different one every day, all month, and then start over. I mean, it could be any way, but you can use your calendar to tell you what you want to hear. (laughs) Right. And I think it's a more profound effect than you imagine. You're sitting here listening to, I know some of the people are listening there. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but I, I tell you, mm. it will help. It will help. Mm. That's, so that's, a, that's my little hack. That's really cool. I, I really like that. And I'm going to explore doing that myself in some form. Yeah, that's really cool. So you said something about a quote, and I'm going to pull up this thing that I found yesterday. See if I can find it here. Because um, I actually put it in this pitch deck that I'm using. Uh, and it's a quote by, uh, I'm, I'm not an Oprah fanboy, but uh, she does have some amazing things to say. And this quote was, I actually put it in the pitch deck for my new business. And this is what she said. You will find true success and happiness when you fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself as a human being. When you max out your humanity to lift yourself up, your family and the people around you. Perfect. Isn't that just as well said as ever yeah. there was? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, if I can do that, then I think I have discovered, I have accomplished my mission. And so it's been such a privilege, Devin, to have you on the program. Please tell us where we can find you, where we can find your book and what are, you know, what, how we can connect with you. I really appreciate that, that invitation. Let me be as quick as I can. DevonThorpe.com, D-E-V-I-N-T-H-O-R-P-E on the end.com is kind of the hub of all things. But I hope you'll subscribe to my newsletter podcast. Uh, you can subscribe there at DevonThorpe.com or link over to it and take a look at it. Um, you can also uh, find me on Twitter at Devin D. Thorpe. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, there. I'm linkedin.com slash in slash Devin Thorpe. And I'm on Facebook, fb.com slash Devin Thorpe. Uh, and Instagram at Devin D. Thorpe. Uh, golly, uh, I think those are the main places I am. I would love to connect with people. Uh, and uh, I'm easy to connect with in all those places and happy to schedule time with people if they want to chat. Just ping me in any way of those in any of those formats i'm easy to reach very good so what's the next big thing for you um there is a big next thing (laughs) uh uh, how many hours do we have (laughs) so in addition to all the things i'm doing uh, my wife and i are uh, selling our home in utah buying a, a less expensive place in florida uh, we're taking some of that extra cash to buy a Rivian pickup truck, and we're going to 
uh, buy a trailer, a travel trailer, and outfit it all electric and all solar. So there will be no generator on board that runs on propane wow. or gas or anything else. And our goal will be to live as much as we can off solar. And we can supplement the trailer power with the truck power. Mm-hmm. We'll be carrying big batteries with us in the truck everywhere we go. And and so we see this as a great, great opportunity to be completely fossil fuel free in in our environment. But we plan to travel a lot. But mm-hmm. so in so I will do some of my podcasts meeting people live oh, uh, nice. where they are. Uh, yeah. And that will be fun. Um, and anyway, that, that, that's going to be the new thing. I'm also starting a new, uh, a new newsletter. I'm not sure what this will, will be in the long run. Um, but, but, uh, Saturday we're launching the first installment of our story of our, our solar trailer, uh, epic journey. So <laughs> you should, uh, think about starting a YouTube channel for, you know, it's kind of a, a popular thing for these YouTubers. We yeah, follow a yeah. couple of couples who are living in their van and they're exploring the world and all yeah. that. You could start yeah. a YouTube channel with uh, with Devin and um, I forget your wife's name. Gail. Yeah. Gail, I, I, yes, I think we will we will do something like that. Whether that we fun. leverage the, our existing uh, channel or create a new one, we will definitely do some video as part of this effort. So. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good. Well, I'll have to have an invitation to you when you're coming through Maryland. You have a place to stay. You well, thank you very much. So we'd, we'd love that. So Thank you. So. Thank you very, very much. You're very kind. Yeah, well, Devin, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate it. and looking forward to connecting with you again. And someday we'll uh, be able to meet in person, hopefully. I look forward to it. Thank you. Devin, thanks for taking time to share your purpose journey. I'm excited for the new life you and your wife have. I'm a bit jealous that you get to travel across the country in your camper and and pickup truck. And I look forward to hearing what you discover on your new journey. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear what you thought about the show. And I'd love to hear how you are living out your purpose. And be sure to follow us on all the socials. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so that you always get these programs when they come available. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about how you are living out your purpose. Until next time, go out and make an impact by living life with purpose and meaning. I'll talk to you again next time on the Explore Purpose podcast.